welcome to our podcast, COP26 and the Journey to Change, a podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland's business events team. COP26 is all about change, the vital and necessary change we need to make not just as individuals, but as communities, countries and continents, the global journey of change to address climate change and its impact. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the issues of change and sustainability affect the business events sector, and also how business events can help bring about the change that we need. We will be questioning what we can learn from COP26 and what our industry can do to change itself. And we'll be examining the COP26 programme themes, including energy, nature, youth and science, to find those crucial intersections where business events can make a difference and help achieve the outcomes of COP26 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At Visit Scotland, we believe that business events are more than just meetings. We believe business events can be catalysts for social and economic change. As Scotland welcomes COP26, we welcome you to our podcast. Stay tuned, follow for new updates and enjoy. Welcome everyone, the session's about to begin. Please take your seat and make yourself comfortable. Please ensure your tea and coffee is topped up and feel free to shut down your emails and enjoy the session. Today, we will be discussing transport, and to help us in our discussions, we are delighted to be joined by Malcolm Roughhead, CEO of Visit Scotland, and Sheriff Karamat, CEO of PCMA. And our guest host today is Neil Brownlee. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again to our COP26 Journey to Change podcast. Today, with Sheriff Malcolm, we're going to be discussing one of the pillars of the the programme or the, the schedule or the presidency that is being hosted in Glasgow, and it's called transport. Clearly, that's a very broad term, and we've brought Sheriff Malcolm together today to talk about the, the wider holistic term of transport and uh, indeed travel, whether it's tourism or for business events. We're going to have a chat around this topic over the next uh, 20 minutes or so, and I'm going to start straight off with uh, quite a big question for both Malcolm, I think, first, and then Sheriff. Clearly, the travel industry is starting to recover. It's every week is a, is, a, is a new adventure in terms of waiting for updates from governments around the world. Events are beginning to take place. Uh, tourism, people are traveling from country to country. How can we ensure that travel going forward or encouraging people to travel going forward is compatible with everything being discussed in Glasgow and the need to reduce carbon emissions. You know, is the conversation the same now as it was in the before world, before March 2020? And I'm going to throw that to my CEO of Visit Scotland, Malcolm, first. Thanks, Neil. Well, I think I think you have to firstly determine what do we mean by um, sustainable travel. And from our perspective, there's probably four key elements um, in, in the, the sort of broader travel and leisure industry and, and one of those is obviously protecting um, our natural environment. Clearly we want to be looking at reducing carbon emissions 
Um, it's also about supporting local communities uh, and uh, on top of that, eliminating waste and, and pollution. So I guess from a Visit Scotland perspective, it's how do you travel? And I think the mix of, of uh, opportunities to, to travel will always be there, but it means working with, with those partners, be the planes, trains, uh, you know, buses, uh, public transport, to make sure that everybody collectively is working together to, to make sure that the um, you know, the modus of, of travel is as environmentally friendly as it can be. And, and you see that already uh, with new planes coming on, they're about 25% more effective uh, in terms of re reducing carbon emissions. In Scotland, we've already had the first trial of an electric uh, powered uh, airplane up in Orkney. Uh, and who knows how long it may well be before, before that becomes a regular feature and, and we are able to welcome our guests from far-flung fields uh, in electric planes. Um, but there are also other ways, that, that there's carbon offset schemes, car sharing, obviously, so if people do have to go together, um, let's reduce the, the individual carbon footprint uh, by collectively uh, travelling in, in, in one car. Uh, and wherever possible, we would encourage uh, the use of, of trains or, or other transport opportunities that that are there, so I think I think the it, it's asking ourselves really: Do I need to go there? Do I need to be there face to face? If I do need to be there face to face, uh, and I think that is important um, in in many cases, then let's think about how we do that in the most responsible and sustainable way. Okay, yeah, and when you talk about planes and electric planes, I didn't see any at. Frankfurt Airport a couple of months ago, but you're right that in terms of the way that aviation or airlines are pushing the fact that they have very new planes, the majority of uh, tail fins I saw at Frankfurt, and it was Lufthansa, they had the, the, the blue logo rather than the yellow disc. And these are all Neos, or they're just, it's almost an entire brand of planes within a huge airline saying, look at our super efficient uh, fleet, I think. And I landed from Portugal a couple of weeks ago and they said this this flight was carbon neutral. I thought, I'm sure it can't be, but if it is, that's big news. And they need to be telling people beyond the cabin. And and as I think we had a British Airways plane land in Glasgow a few weeks ago as well, which was something like 70% more greener or more efficient than a British Airways plane eight years ago. So there's a lot, I think, going on in the aviation sector that perhaps we want to draw attention to. Sheriff, what's your view about what the discussion is now? Is it similar to what Malcolm's saying? Or So I, I think that, you know, some of the things that the points that Malcolm has referenced um, are critically important and really understanding what sustainable travel is all about. Um, and and if, if we look at that, I, I want to ensure that we're not putting a, a Band-Aid on the solution. And, and we are really solving, we're going to the root of the problem. You know, um, we, one could say that we have moved from uh, climate change to climate crisis. There's certainly a greater spotlight uh, on what um, what uh, our situation is with respect to CO2 emissions and and um, and climate change and climate crisis. However, um, you know, if we if we use the COVID pandemic as a parallel, wearing a mask does not take away COVID. And, and we have to understand that we need to solve the deep root causes of, of climate change. 
During the last year, especially in 2020, our carbon and CO2 emissions were reduced by 6.4% globally. We need a reduction of approximately 7.6% in order to, to make the impact we uh, need in a post-industrialized world of 1.5% reduction, increase in temperatures. So clearly we have a lot more work to do. And I want to um, encourage governments to not just look at individual sectors, but look and, and put mandate solutions, but look at what the root causes are. And this goes to cleaner energy, um, building uh, different type of aircrafts. The um, issue here is that yes, our industry, the business events industry will play a role in not contributing to the challenges. However, it's not going to solve the challenges. It is like wearing a mask during COVID. And we need deeper, greater commitment by governments and industry alike. Great. I agree. And one thing you've always been very strong on, Sheriff, with regards to the business event sector, is that we are part of the solution, not the problem. And that's the same vein as what you've just said. And I think that applies for the whole of tourism, that they have to be part of the, the solutions. So you were very adamant potentially against against the flow at the beginning of the pandemic that, you know, we shouldn't be hosting, holding business events, full stop, however professional or safe we think we are. But how are people going to get to events in the future? So I do believe that um, events uh, play a role. I mean, uh, Glasgow COP26, um, we need to come together as human beings. And stopping us from coming together is not the solution. There will be a difference with respect to the value of an event and whether someone wants to attend an event. But should they not attend an event because we can't solve a climate crisis? I think that's a mistake. I do believe what we need to ensure is that events are doing their part to reduce waste. And we are seeing that in numerous ways where we're doing carbon offsets. We are doing digital signage. We, um, we are looking at destinations who are like the country of Scotland that um, is embracing um, um, everything that they can to ensure that there's a clean environment. So that bodes very well. What I'm saying, it's not enough. And the fact of the matter is that we do have to have commitments like the pharmaceutical industry came together with government to create actual solutions and sticking to those solutions with respect to the vaccination for COVID. We need to do the same with the climate crisis. Thank you. And Malcolm, you know, when you're in discussions with you know, policymakers and everything else, what sort of arguments do you get into or discussions around people like me and Sheriff trying to bring a few thousand delegates to, to Edinburgh or Glasgow or Aberdeen as our day job? Is there an understanding that we're bringing the world's experts potentially to discuss a, a global problem? Or is there a sort of awkwardness around it's just more volume? It's really about balance. Um, you know, the, the, the danger is that you... You polarise the conversation and it, it becomes black and white, which of course it isn't. Uh, and it, it's about making sure that that balance is managed in a proper way. And and I think the just building on a little bit from what um, Sheriff was saying, you know, it, it's really about putting back. It's not about taking out. And that that means you have to sit back and analyse from A to Z exactly what what the touch points are and looking at those particular touch points how then can you reduce the emissions within that or reduce waste as i mentioned is one of kind of four tenets that that, that we have 
And that can be through conditionality in terms of funding. It can be, I think it's a great point Sheriff makes. I mean, a year ago, we didn't have a vaccine that worked. Now we have. So if great minds and, and power of leadership and, and a, a coming together can do that, I'm pretty sure that, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, can, we can crack this, this particular issue. And I think for, for years we've been saying, you know, when you bring the world's experts together, it's to discuss a global issue such as a as a pandemic or a vaccine. And here, sadly, we've got the ultimate example of how that can happen. Sheriff, you look like you're about to say something. You know, I want to pick up on what Malcolm just said, because I think it's so important to underline the human situation. And that is that we tend not to deal with things. And this is a human condition, and I'm not sure why it is. We tend not to deal with things until it becomes a crisis. And COVID became a crisis. People were dying every day. The climate crisis, it's a bit invisible. Oh, there's floods in Germany. There is floods in South America. There's fires in Western Canada. It's not happening to us. And until it happens to you, you don't take it as seriously as you should. And this, this is a challenge with human beings in general. And, uh, you know, that I always talk about the iceberg analogy because we only see what's in front of us and we don't see what's below the waterline. This is the challenge that we're facing with climate crisis because it is slow moving. I entirely agree. And I, I love your point that we've gone from climate change to climate crisis. I think that's something we're going to use and reuse over the coming weeks and, and months. But to Malcolm, just to, or to both of you about your individual organisations, um, I don't want to get too too sort of low level on this. But from from Malcolm, when you're working, you know, we're the national tourism organisation for Scotland. I think you answered it with your four points at the beginning. But the in terms of what progress can be achieved, the regions of Scotland, how do you see we can achieve this, or how far down the road are we? Is are most of the regions on board? I think, I think what we're seeing is, generally speaking, in Scotland, people get the climate crisis. The difficulty is, this is not an attitudinal one. It's a behavioural one. Uh, and as we know, behaviours take a long time to change. And unless, of course, you force them to change, but then that's not often the best outcome. Um, what, what you really want is people to embrace it, to understand it, and, and to own it and live it. Uh, and certainly from our perspective as an organisation, uh, you know, for, for me, I think it's absolutely important to visit Scotland demonstrates leadership in everything that we do as an organisation, the way that, that we operate and in terms of the um, partnerships that, that we have, that, that we try and bring partners with us on, on this journey because it's far better to do it voluntarily than it is to do it in, in a conditional uh, manner. So I think from, there's a lot more. My, my personal ambition for Visit Scotland as an organisation is to get to net zero by 2030. Uh, we're not a, a thousand miles away from that. COVID has helped. I mean, we've reduced our carbon emissions by about 70% over the last couple of years. Now that will bounce back as we have more people out on the road again and people travelling. But we were making big inroads into that uh, aspiration that, that we have. And if we don't have that aspiration, how can we ask our partners in the industry to share that, that commitment and aspiration? So that, that element of leadership, get our own house in order and then actually get out there and work with people. And then, then you're, you're able to work with confidence, but you're also working with from exp an experience base and you're able to share those, those uh, learnings and lessons learned. But also it's about explaining 
not just the benefits of, of you know, and tackling the, the climate crisis, but also there are business benefits to be had and, and efficiencies to be had. So there are wins. It's not it's not about a cost. It's an investment. It's an investment in the future and the future prosperity of your own businesses. Sheriff, what are you seeing around the world? Well, there's so many uh, good bits that Malcolm touched on, and I want to touch on the leadership, uh, especially the leadership part and demonstrating leadership and, and walk the talk. And, and given that we're talking about transport, I think that I will use that as an analogy. And, um, and I will use the airplane and we've got to build it while we're flying it. And um, so, so in order for us to not have massive structural unemployment, uh, we need to have a balance as Malcolm previously stated and, and an approach. And that approach I feel is showing leadership where you're reducing emissions while we're looking for concrete longer-term solutions. And so let's put the longer-term solutions aside for just a moment. Organization event organizers are doing a lot uh, with respect to um, showing leadership in this arena. Uh, for starters, we're looking at zero waste at events. And convening leaders, for example, have been holding events around zero waste. Secondly, we're looking at carbon offset for uh, delegates going to events. So how do we do that? Uh, third, our conferences, whether medical or otherwise, we're looking at digital signage, a lot more digital post awards, and, and even in our convention centers and buildings that we're using, uh, we're using everything as basic as water stations and eliminating water bottles uh, to many other um, things that are just not considered disposable that we do not need to use. So um, there is much that we are doing that um, at showing leadership. Um, these things are having a bit of an effect, not the significant effect that we, we want it to have. But again, we say that we want to um, we want to be focusing on building the airplane at the same time. And so how are we looking at um, investments? And I think that uh, Malcolm touched on this with respect to investment in innovation, in greener technologies, in the type of industries that will truly allow humans to be humans. You know, last year we had carbon uh, reductions because we were locked down. We were in our homes. We couldn't leave our homes. That's no way to live as human beings. And so um, we're not going to live that way. We we've, we want to live. Uh, humans are a social animal and um, we're going to continue to be social. Well, how are we going to allow that if we're locked down? We can't. So uh, the solutions are what we're taking is going to help. Don't get me wrong. <sighs> but it's not the longer term solution, but it's definitely showing that we are committed and we want to work in partnership with government and other industries to ensure uh, that business events is at the table and is leading the way. And one of those ways we're doing it is what I've just stated. Jeff, I wouldn't disagree at all. And I, I think I would emphasize that very often it, it's the, the some of the parts analogy, isn't it? So there's going to be lots of little steps but those are little steps that everyone can buy into. And if everyone does it, then actually it begins to grow in magnitude and, and, and then the, the result becomes much more visible and tangible. And it's just things like, you know, you mentioned some examples, but just avoiding the use of, you know, single use plastics makes a big difference. Minimize packaging. You know, if we want to give people presents then do we need to wrap it up with bows and you know glittery paper that we can't recycle etc i mean it's just thinking things through a little bit it doesn't mean to say we don't have to have that 
personal engagement, uh, share the love, if you like. It just means we need to do it in a slightly different way and in a more sustainable way. And, and once we get the mindset of why am I doing this? Okay, I'm doing it because of the following reason. How best can I do it? Then it becomes automatic and then you get that behavioral change that I was talking about. Absolutely. And that could lead to scale and allow things, the prices to come down significantly. I remember, Malcolm, this is going back almost 20 years ago when um, we were looking, Convene Magazine, to look at recyclable paper, 100% recyclable paper. But we were also looking at inks that weren't going to damage the environment. Today, that 100% recyclable paper is cheaper than non-recyclable paper. So it's you know, we, we've got to look at those things and the fact that once people, as you say, uh, if each of us take little steps, that can become transformational, which builds scale, which actually reduces cost. Absolutely. It reminds me of some of the things when, you, Malcolm, you're mentioning like single-use plastics and, you know, Sheriff, we know from the PCMA Compass report that a lot of the trends or things that were happening in the last 18 months, they were already underway before the pandemic, but the pandemic was just an accelerant. So we all know that we're about five, six years of changes in meeting approaches has happened within you know two years. I think we are all waiting to see what happens with the trade show format, for example, You know, not to get too far away from transport discussion. Um, but even in the trade shows, things were massively different. So all the beautiful you know, pristine carpet laid for a three-day show, which six, seven years ago would have gone in a skip and there's really nothing wrong with it. Now, when we get contractors, they have to tell us what they're going to do with it. So IMEX, for example, in a couple of weeks in Vegas, there's not a single shred of carpet or, or anything there that's not going to be either reused or recycled or given to away to a good cause. Um, and I think as a, as a sector, I hope that business events, so hopefully ahead of the curve, we were doing a lot of it anyway, um, but I think that the key thing now is the transport bit and perhaps even being able to convince corporations, the Jeff Bezos of this world, that we're, we're needed and travel is needed. And I think that's a huge, a huge thing coming down the track for business events, is the corporate travel policies. Um, I think we're going to cut to a coffee break, aren't we? Come back in a few minutes. Thank you very much. where tea and coffee will be waiting for you. We'll see you back here soon. Don't be late. We won't wait for you. Malcolm, it's so great to see you and do this podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's just such a big issue, isn't it? And uh, we, we really do need political leadership in all of this. And, and as you rightly say, commitment to, to action, I suspect. The jeopardy actually is that we will have no natural assets to, to enjoy going forward if if they don't take the action. It needs to be, you know, you need to look at the, the kind of world leading countries, uh, you know, to show the way. I mean, it's got to be the Chinas and the Americas and, and Europe that, that actually take the lead here. Yeah, I, I do think that um, the challenge that people have had, a fear is a a debilitating uh, disease, I think. And and this notion that somehow cleaner energy would take away jobs instead of creating jobs, to me is, we've got to dispel that myth. And we've got to show people that they can actually have higher paying jobs and more meaningful jobs and, and have a sustainable future. I think that there's still fear about that. The fear that we will lose all this sort of fossil fuel um, energy sector jobs and 
And I think that we've got to solve for that. And, and that's a real fear. And we shouldn't underestimate what fear does when we face these things. In many ways, I mean, less serious is the analogy with, you know, the, the advent of technology and, and digitization. And people thought that AI was, was going to make us all redundant at, at some point. And of course, we learn to, to adapt and to use it and, and to benefit from it. And, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, look at the opportunities rather than the challenges. Uh, and the opportunities in, in this, and you pointed it out in terms of energy and uh, the types of different jobs that, that are going to uh, come around, and and also you know the um, the quality of life that that's going to be enhanced. So th those are all things that that I'm sure not only we want, but we want for you know future generations. Absolutely. There is a very strong emotional uh, argument to be had. But I think the, the biggest challenge for me is the behavioural one, and, and particularly right now coming out of COVID, you know, where, you know, people have been, you know, bashed around for the last couple of years. They've been scared into, into you know, sort of staying at home, avoiding people and, you know, not socialising. And that takes time, you know, for, for them to get their head above the parapet and to think about different issues. Absolutely. You know, you... You, you know, we've got to use the technology analogy a lot more and the AI analogy that you just said. Our industry, the business events industry, has been absolutely petrified of technology. They think it's going to actually kill face-to-face. -face. The way I see it, and if you look at the country of Scotland and you look at Glasgow today, I mean, COP26, all the visibility, the spotlight that's going to Scotland, if I've heard one person, I've heard a hundred tell me that, oh, now I would like to go to Scotland. And that just because of the showcase because of uh, on social media and, and digitization showing what's going on in Scotland around COP26. There's so much to be said about uh, technology as an enhancer in making that experience and, and hasn't taken away our jobs. Um, and as we thought it was going to, or some thought it was going to. And so we have work even in the business events industry because uh, there's so much trepidation around technology. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly on on what might come out of COP, do you think any deliverables need to be based on different countries' requirements? You know, in other words, if, if we if it's not about telling people to stop doing things, but if we put the brakes on a bit on certain activities at a, at a Western Europe level or North American level, for other countries that are less developed, aren't we in danger of pushing people further down into poverty? Will the discussions hopefully address regional or national needs? Am I oversimplifying it? I think that we say these things because, you know, we say them, it's an easy excuse to, to let them not do anything, right? We've got deforestation going on in Brazil that's just absolutely unconscionable. That does not need to happen. That is not helping climate change. We can clear up our aircrafts all we want if we're not doing that as well. That's a problem, right? You've got uh, pollutants in China and India that you know, these are massive populations. You've got to do things. But what they've got to understand, they've got to see, we've got to show them that there's a future there for them, that not that it's going to actually push them into poverty. It's actually going to pull them out of poverty. Um, and, and going back to Malcolm's point in technology, look at the Indians and Chinese. They had not two pennies to rub together, but they were smart people. So technology has given some of them a boon. So if we use that as an example, here's another opportunity for them to use their brains. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. For me, the, the problem is always, and I think it kind of touches on what you were asking there, Neil, 
try to find a solution that fits everyone. And that, that's never actually going to happen because we're all at different stages of, of progress or, or whatever you like to call it. But if you can actually agree on what the priorities are, then there becomes a hierarchy of priorities. And it may be easier for the likes of the African continent to address one particular issue, whereas Europe addresses another, and maybe North America another, and Australia stops digging a hole down to, you know, to the center of the universe, um, you know, in terms of raw, raw materials. So I think, you know, it, it will be horses for courses. It's just that the menu is the same menu. You pick what you what you can actually digest most easily. And, and then eventually you, you progress, you know, to the next level and then to the next level. I, I think that's a brilliantly said because each, the, the outcome that we want is to reduce greenhouse gases and each, and, and if every region is playing a different role um, to achieve that, to me, is, is you're absolutely spot on. Sounds like you two need to be in the room where it's going to happen <laughs> in COP26. Let, let me speak. They, let they me might speak lock us people. up. The next session is about to begin. Please make your way back to the auditorium. I wanted to mention as well, uh, Sheriff, you'd, you'd said to me in a chat we did for Journey to Change that not travelling is not sustainable in a certain way. What did you mean by that? Well, it, as humans, uh, we need to connect to solve complex issues that face the world. COP26 in Glasgow is one of those examples. We need to come together. Stopping us travelling or restricting us in our environment, that actually is creating all sorts of other issues that society has to deal with. For example, depression and loneliness, as an example, and uh, um, domestic issues. Stopping people from being together when we as human beings are hardwired, as social beings, is not an answer. But how we do it um, is what, what would make a difference. And we can do that in a sustainable way. We can, we can, as society, demand cleaner energy, cleaner fuel uh, for aircrafts and for ground transportation. Malcolm touched on the shared economy, where um, sharing ride-sharing programs. At the moment, that is something that is actually quite good to do while we we, we solve for all the electrical cars and so forth. So we, it, we can go down this in two swim lanes all the time so that we can solve. We cannot, as human beings, stop living. Um, that is not solving the challenge. We are not going to restrict people from having kids. That's not going to solve the... Uh, it might in the short term. The reality is that we as human beings are going to figure out a way to survive. We could solve COVID in under two years. We could solve the climate crisis. There's got to be better will. The Paris Accord, when was that done? How many years ago? Still today, that has not been implemented the way it should be. I like Malcolm's A to Z or A to Z for our North American listeners of the touch points on the journey, which can, which can be addressed. And somebody said to me yesterday in a call that the business event sector is a horizontal industry servicing every single vertical or multiple vertical industries. And I don't know why I've never thought of that before, but I'm going to use it next time I'm put in front of government officials, because clearly business events have a massive role to play here, whether it's you know aviation being a vertical sector, it's across the board. So I'm hoping there's, there's an opportunity here for business events again to come to the fore under the guise of the biggest ever business event to come to the United Kingdom or Scotland, which is COP26. I think in closing, 
what's the one thing you'd like to see come out of COP26, both of you? Is it a piece of paper? Is it some kind of civic pride? Is it national pride? Or is it a game changer for the world? What's what, what's your sort of minimum benchmark? And I'm going to start with Malcolm. Yeah, um, I suppose there's a lot of things you'd like to see come out of it. But for me, I, I'd like to see leadership, commitment. I want to see an action plan and I want to see deliverables. Strategies abound. Lots of um, people understand what the issue is. But Sheriff touched on it. We, we've, we've actually got to deliver now. We, we can't just kick it around and talk more about it. We actually need action now. Well, you know, I love this question because uh, I say that every business event, and I'm looking at COP26 as a business event, should be focused on outcomes, not the event itself. And so clear outcome for me is a commitment uh, by government to action, not just a commitment, but a commitment to action, a commitment that we will reduce greenhouse gases that will allow for us to not increase temperatures by 1.5 degrees. That to me has to come up, which means that um, there has to be a mechanism to hold governments accountable for doing that. And on a domestic level, and then at a global level, there's got to be a, a mechanism. Because after the Paris Accord, many governments actually delayed and they were, there was just no retribution. There was no way of doing anything. So um, it has to be a clear commitment, clear action and clear outcomes and, and sort of deadlines of when these are going to be met. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Sheriff. You're in Chicago at the moment, aren't you? I'm actually in Toronto today. You're back in Toronto now. Malcolm, thank you very much. It looks like you might be in the office today. I am indeed. In Edinburgh. Wow. So hopefully normality will resume, but I look forward to seeing you again, Malcolm, face to face as soon as possible. Well, thank you very much for that wonderful discussion on the transport pillar of COP26, uh, which obviously we took through the tourism route as well. Huge thank you to Sheriff Karamat, Chief Exec of PCMA based in Toronto, and also Malcolm Ruffhead, our Chief Exec from Visit Scotland, who is in the Edinburgh office. And a huge thank you to our listeners. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. Hopefully you'll be around for our final podcast tomorrow. Thank you very much. This brings our session to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it. And will join us again next time when we'll be discussing cities, regions and built environment. Thank you for attending today's session. See you soon.